Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God and it contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're back today. Glad that uh, we get to study the Bible with you a little bit today. And hopefully we'll find some of the answers that uh, the questions that you've got in your mind. That's the way this program operates. We just answer viewers' questions. Uh, we put a website and a phone number on the screen all the time, and you can use that anytime to get in touch with us. Uh, any kind of question you got about specifics about the Bible, what's this verse mean, what's that uh, doctrine, is that really in the Bible, where is this one, <clears throat> we'll try to find you an answer. Maybe something going on in your life, your family, your kids, uh, your work, something you wonder, what the Bible have to say about that? Is there any biblical principle that would help me, we'll try to find you one. If you want to give us a call, let us know. So check in, uh, tell us what you'd like us to talk about, and we'll get to it someday soon. Let me introduce Toby Levering here every week to help me answer questions. Good morning, Toby. Hi, Steve. Glad you're here and studied up and ready to go. Uh, I've got some good ones today. You got any good ones coming up? Got a few in the wrap there. <laughs> All right. We'll try to get to as many as we can, but we always give our viewers one first. Dorcas, a lady in the New Testament, uh, what skill was Dorcas known for? And if you don't know that name, I'll give you her other name, is Tabitha. So uh, if you've heard of either one of them, they were noted for a specific skill. And we'll we'll talk, give you the answer to that at the end of the program. Uh, looks like you're up first, Toby, so start yep. us off. And viewer asked the question, what is a scriptural way to stop smoking? Well, the Bible doesn't give us any specific scriptural plans on how to quit smoking, sorry to say. Um, but we can know that uh, if, if uh, because the Bible doesn't spell out anything specific, it, it's kind of left up to us, whatever works for you. I guess I'd counsel you to check with your doctor and figure out a plan that will work best in your situation. I know nicotine addiction is uh, difficult for many to, to kick and... It uh, can be a, a very expensive habit uh, these days, so uh, certainly would be beneficial to you in a lot of ways to be able to kick the habit. But no, the Bible doesn't say anything specifically about that other than the general principle that God doesn't want us to be enslaved to anything. Uh, we need to learn by His grace to be able to say no to things that uh, hurt us and harm us. And uh, in Titus chapter 2, verse 12, we're told that the grace of God teaches us to say no to God, to ungodly things. And so we learn those things as we grow up in Christ. But generally speaking, God wants us to be free of anything that masters us, whether that's a physical addiction, a sexual addiction, uh, some sort of trouble, even a relationship. Uh, God wants to step away from those things that harm us. Now, Paul, in speaking about sexual immorality, uh, said this about the relationship of the body to the spirit. First Corinthians chapter six. Let's read that together. Or do you not know that your holy, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? 
You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God in your body. So I think it's a, a good thing that you're wanting to quit. And check with your doctor, somebody who can help you figure out if it's a gum or a patch <laughs> or some sort of program that will help you. But uh, treat your body well. It's a, it's a blessing from God, and as, a, as such, we ought to steward it best we can. All righty. Thank you, Tom. we got a question about a specific verse. The viewer says they've heard something about casting pearls before swine, and Jesus said you shouldn't do that. Uh, what in the world was that about? Well, it is kind of an obscure little verse. I mean, I think most people know about it. They've heard the heard the saying, but I'm not sure how much we stop and try to figure out what was Jesus uh, intending there. Let's just read the verse, make sure we get it right. Matthew 7, verse 6, Jesus said, Do not give to, do give to dogs uh, what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Well, like Jesus often did, he used a picture from uh, the world, from real life, that people understood. Now, if you had a handful of valuable pearls, uh, you wouldn't take them out and give them to a bunch of pigs. Uh, they'd just trample them underfoot, and knowing pigs, they might turn and attack you. Uh, so don't do that. Uh, don't give something holy, something very valuable and special and wonderful. Don't give that to a dog. They wouldn't know what to do with it, and they'd just tear it up and might tear you up. So people saw that picture. They understood what he was talking about. Now, to apply it to modern life or daily life, uh, what do we have that's holy? What do we have that's valuable? Well, in fact, Jesus even uses another parable to call our knowledge of God our godly wisdom and knowledge of salvation and all that, uh, he calls it a pearl of great price. So I think here he's telling us that uh, godly things, spiritual things, salvation matters. Uh, there are some people that if you try to talk to them about God or give them your godly wisdom or something, they're not going to dig it. They're, they're just going to tear you up. And from real life, we know there are people like that. Uh, the Bible says the people that don't believe in God, they're foolish. Uh, we're going to talk more about this in my next question. Somebody asked a question from a little different perspective that we're going to explain more of this about. Uh, but Jesus had that practice also. If you read through the Gospels, you'll notice a very kind of outstanding point is that sometimes when somebody came and asked Jesus a question, uh, he'd sit down and talk with them and answer their question and discuss it with them. And sometimes when the Pharisees or somebody else would come to him and ask him a question, he wouldn't even answer them. Uh, he'd just blow it off like, no, I'm not going to talk to you about that. And I think the reason is, is because he knew they weren't going to listen to him. They were just going to try to find a way to tear him up and abuse him for what they were saying. So Jesus understood that. He, he looked at people and he knew better than to uh, answer them and mess with them. So I think he's telling us the same thing. Be wise about it. Somebody that will listen to you and understand what you're saying and wants to discuss it, sure talk about uh, God and things like that. Uh, people that aren't not going to listen to you and just abuse you for it, don't waste your time with them. So I think that's what that one means. All right, Toby, what do you got? A viewer wants to know, are you baptized by water during childbirth? Well, no. When you're 
in the womb in utero, you are immersed or surrounded by water. Uh, but uh, just because you're immersed at that time doesn't mean you've been baptized through the process of childbirth. Uh, by logic, that would mean that everybody has been baptized whether they wanted to be or not. And we understand that there's a part of baptism that has to do with faith. Uh, that faith is that belief and trust in God and obedience to Him, submitting ourselves to Him of our own free will. So, uh, in fact, Jesus said quite the opposite of this when he was talking to a man by the name of Nicodemus in John chapter 3. This won't be on your screen, but just for a reference, John chapter 3, Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they have been born again. And Nicodemus says, How can someone be born when they are old? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Jesus is saying here, two separate things. So we know very clearly that's not the case. Um, just because we are immersed in water, uh, either through being born or uh, going swimming or taking a bath, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean we've been baptized or something more to it uh, than that, and that is the faith and belief and trust in Christ. Let's look at a verse that is on your screen from Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. Uh, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Uh, no, baptism and childbirth, two completely different things. And uh, we're all going to be born... Uh, physically, but it's up to us whether we're going to be reborn into the kingdom of God. All right. Thank you, Toby. Let me uh, invite our viewers to study the Bible at home. And uh, we talk about this a little bit each week. Uh, we enjoy studying the Bible with you, and hopefully you learn a little bit about it. Uh, but we think home Bible studies are really good practice. We think you individually being in God's Word and seeing what He has to say for you is probably the best thing you can spend your time on and we know some people have a hard time getting started in that. So we've got some free materials that we'll send to you. Uh, some Know Your Bible study tools that are a great way to study the Bible. You'll see a course on the screen right now. There are eight lessons in this course and it's a good way to study the Bible. So it starts with a very basic introduction about your Old Testament and New Testament and what's the difference between them and then goes on to those other topics that you see there. And uh, when you're done with that, you'll have a pretty good grounding and know what your Bible's all about overall. And then we've got some more courses that you can keep studying for a long time with Know Your Bible Study Tools. And it'll take you more into detail and you'll study some specific books and the life of Jesus and a number of different things. So good way to get familiar with your Bible. Absolutely free. Uh, we forget to mention that sometime, but there's no cost to you at all. Uh, we even pay the postage. Uh, still provide you with that. So good way to study the Bible. Give us a chance to send you one and see if you like it. If you try one or two of them and decide, no, that's not helpful, 
that's fine. You just quit. You're not committed. Uh, we won't bother you in any way. We just want you to study the Bible. We think this is a good way to do it. So give us a call or log on. Let us know. All right. Now, I had the question about pearls and pigs a while ago. This viewer kind of relates to that a little bit. It says, how do you respond uh, to people who are very vocal about not believing in God? And there are a few of those. In fact, some of them have TV shows and spend a lot of time uh, being negative about God and making fun of Christians and all of that. So there are people like that in the world. And this viewer says, how do you respond to somebody like that? Well, let me say this. You don't really have to respond to them. Now, if they're in your, let's say, a coffee break at work and they go on every day about not believing in God and how foolish Christianity is and all that, yes, you should give them a response. Uh, you should defend God if that question comes up repeatedly. Uh, but you don't have to convince them. You don't have to out-argue them. The Bible doesn't tell us to do that. It says give an answer for the hope that you've got. Uh, so that's how you respond, I think. That's how you defend God is, well, I know that's well and good what you're saying and you believe that, but I believe in God and He's made a difference in my life. That's enough response. If your life then backs that up, I think that's the key part is we respond by how we live. If people like that see that we are happier and more satisfied and more hope-filled and all of that than the rest of the world around us, uh, they'll start to wonder what we've got that they don't have. So I think that's a good way to respond is with your life, first of all. Let me give you a couple of scriptures that might help. Uh, Psalm chapter 14.1, I mentioned this on the other question. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. So realize, first of all, you're dealing with a fool. You realize we're dealing with, doesn't mean they're stupid, it just means they haven't thought through it. Or they've looked at the evidence and rejected it, or they haven't looked at the evidence. They're foolish either way. Uh, so you're dealing with that kind of a person, first of all. And the second verse I want to show you is Proverbs 15.1. says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So I would respond softly. I would respond kindly. Say, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I believe in God, and I always will. Uh, a soft answer will settle things down. If you try to out-argue them, you try to out-yell them, uh, you try to make them uh, look foolish to everybody else, uh, you're probably just going to stir up more trouble. So uh, those are some maybe helpful ideas about how to respond to somebody that's very vocal about not believing in God. You defend your God and live your life right and speak softly, uh, you might have an effect on them. That Remember the verse we talked about before, Jesus said, there comes a point with some people uh, that don't waste your time with them. They're just going to tear you up and <laughs> spend time abusing you. So put all those together and maybe you can come up with an answer on how to respond to the person you're thinking about. All right, Toby, what, what's up next? Yeah, a viewer <laughs> wants to know, is it possible for a Christian to commit suicide and still be saved? Now, it's uh, a little bit difficult to answer because I don't know if the person asking is actually considering suicide or if they're just wanting to make an airtight theological case. My strict answer to the question is, it's possible if God decides it's possible. 
but uh, the, that decision ultimately is up to God. Now, for the first person, if there's a person at home who's suffering with depression, who's really having a hard time in life and thinking that might be the easy way out, I want to, in no uncertain terms, admonish you, please get help as quickly as possible. A Christian counselor would be best, a program like Celebrate Recovery or some other program that could give you some encouragement and some hope is absolutely what you need in your life. Uh, don't let the enemy continue to attack you. And I want to remind you that suicide doesn't solve anything. It just releases you from the responsibility, but it leaves a lot of hurt people in your wake. Family, friends, loved ones are left with more questions than answers and all of the burdens that you carry in addition. So it's not really an answer. And if you're thinking of that, please, please get help today. Uh, if you are a person who has, uh, likes dreaming up theological cases and wondering uh, whether or not a person is going to be saved or not, ultimately those kind of decisions lie in the hands of God. Now, I, I think I understand, though I don't agree fully. Some people say, well, <clears throat> logically we can argue that suicide is self-murder, uh, murder is a sin, uh, a person can't repent after they've committed suicide, so they must immediately go into hell. And that sounds theologically pretty airtight, except it leads, leaves out uh, the ability for God to know their heart and to decide differently. And so I'm always going to allow for that room. I understand where you're coming from logically, but ultimately that judgment is in the hands of the judge. So let's stay out of the judging business and work on the helping business as much as we can. Uh, the argument leaves out the mercy of God and the judgment of God, which will always be exactly right. You may make a theological case for why someone should be in hell. Be surprised that they're in heaven. I hope you don't plan on arguing with God about his judgment. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5 together. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Uh, if heaven's not a gift, I'm not getting in and neither are you. So let's remember that God's judgment is always right. Thank you, Toby. One thing you said there reminded me of a book uh, C.S. Lewis wrote called The Great Divorce. Yeah. And it's about when we get to heaven and or hell, uh, how surprised we're going to be at who's there I agree and who's with that. not there. Uh, we think we've got it all figured out here sometimes, <laughs> but uh, God's going to going to do things just exactly right. All right, uh, next question. Viewer wonders about uh, an excuse to get out of marriage. Is there any reason for which Jesus excuses someone from marriage? Well, I'm not sure I would use the term excused from marriage, but I understand what our viewer is talking about, and that's a, a big topic, the topic of reasons for divorce and all that. People spend a lot of time uh, talking and arguing and pontificating about that. It's a big topic, uh, but the answer to this viewer's specific question is yes, Jesus did. Now, let me set the stage before we look at the verse. The Old Testament, Moses uh, made a law that said if you divorced your wife or your, your spouse uh, that you had to write a uh, bill of divorcement that uh, 
basically was for the woman's benefit. She could prove that she had been put away, she had been divorced by a man, and therefore she could get by in society, and it protected her some. So that was the law. Now, what the rabbis did with that, like they did with everything, was argued about it and made up new rules and regulations. And there were two schools of thought. One school taught that, you know, you couldn't hardly get divorced for anything. And the other school of thought took that law that if a man divorces his wife, he just has to write her a bill of divorcement. And they said that you could get divorced for anything. If your wife burned the toast in the morning, uh, you could divorce her, was pretty much their argument. So they tried to draw Jesus into this, and they asked him, uh, which one do you agree with? Which what? What's a good reason for a divorce? And here's Jesus' answer in uh, Matthew chapter 5 and 32. He said, but I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness or adultery, your translation might say, or fornication or sexual immorality or unchastity are all synonyms there, uh, commits adultery. He said, you don't get divorced for any reason except marital unfaithfulness. Now, applying that is a little more difficult, but to answer your question directly, yes. Jesus said that is, in your terms, an excuse uh, to get out of marriage. Breaking the marriage bond is so hurtful and so difficult for the other spouse uh, that that's a allowable reason for divorce. So, yes, Jesus did allow one reason there take just a moment and talk about a church or two that support this program. The Churches of Christ keep this program on the air for you. And we like to mention some of our friends around the country that especially help us. And one of our partners is up in Brookings, South Dakota. A uh, fine group of folks there, preachers Jim Mettenbrink, and I uh, met him and really admire him and his work up there. Uh, if you live in that area and looking for a church home or just maybe you know some of the folks that attend the Church of Christ there, tell them, hey, I watch that program and uh, I, I appreciate you keeping it on the air for us. So, and if you're looking for a church home, boy, you'd be warmly welcome there. I got a letter, just uh, email just the other day from somebody up in that area that said they were going to go visit the Brookings uh, Church of Christ because we had talked about them. So uh, do that. Visit a Church of Christ near you and you'd find a bunch of folks that think and study about the Bible a lot like we do here on Know Your Bible. All right, tell me a creation question here, it looks like, uh, uh, sort of. Yeah, I think it's, <laughs> the uh, they asked the question, uh, man was not created equally as far as intelligence. <laughs> what does God think about those with less that can't understand the Bible as well? <clears throat> well, I, I guess my answer to that is I think it's one of the reasons that salvation is so simple. Uh, it's simple enough that even a child can understand it. In fact, Jesus said, let the children come unto me. I think he was reminding his disciples uh, that we needed to be like children who accept what he says at face value, do it without question, be willing to trust and obey. Uh, children are good at that. Adults seem to have a harder time doing that kind of thing. So uh, the gospel is a simple message. Now, if you're asking about people who might be mentally handicapped and are, are just uh, uh, not capable of understanding the gospel, let alone obeying it, in my opinion, uh, they are absolutely in a safe condition of grace. 
a person to be able to become a Christian needs to be have the mental capacity to believe uh, in Jesus, to understand who Jesus is, to understand what sin is so they can repent of it and and then uh, be able to physically act and, and do what is required. A person can't do that, my opinion is, although the Bible doesn't say directly, uh, is that they are in a safe state, that they are going to be covered completely by His grace. Uh, those are exceptional cases. We don't say those are the rule. Those are the exception. God has lots of room in wisdom and judgment uh, for the exception. So if you've got a child who's handicapped mentally uh, or in some way uh, has just uh, been left behind in life and you're wondering about their eternal state, my opinion would be uh, they are absolutely safe. Um, let's look at a verse from Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Here's what Jesus said. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. I think God's always kept things pretty simple. It's human beings that have a, a real complicated way of complicating what God's made simple. So let's not do that. All righty, thank you. Viewer wants to know what a word means. What is Pentecost? What's the meaning of Pentecost? Well, Pentecost does appear in the Bible. The day of Pentecost was when Jesus, uh, the, uh, Peter and the others first preached the gospel. Uh, it actually is a Greek word for a Jewish feast, the Feast of Weeks. Uh, which the Jews celebrated the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. The Greek word for that is Pentecost, which means 50 days. And if you read the Old Testament, you had Passover, and then from the second day of Passover, you counted 50 days, and that was when you had the Feast of Weeks. So it was seven weeks plus one day. So from the second day of Pentecost, Passover to 50 days after would have been a Sunday, and that was the day of Pentecost, or when the Jews started the Feast of Weeks, and that's when God revealed the, uh, that the apostles were inspired, the tongues of fire, and all that on the day of Pentecost, and introduced the church to people, and Peter preached the first sermon and all that. But Pentecost technically means 50 days, but it's the word for the Feast of Weeks that the Jews celebrated. So. Uh, that's what Pentecost is. Of course, today it's tied into Pentecostal and a lot of other things, but uh, the word just literally means 50 days. All right, we're out of time for new questions, but let's make sure we get our trivia question answered here. And it was about uh, Dorcas, a lady named Dorcas. What skill was she known for? And uh, like I said, her other name was Tabitha. And if you read Acts chapter 9, it's a really interesting story about her. And she was a seamstress. Uh, she died, and Peter brought her back to life later. But while she was dead, uh, Acts chapter 9 says that uh, all these people showed up mourning for her because she was such a good woman. And all these people that were mourning were showing off the clothes that she made for them. Uh, she made cloaks and clothes and dresses and things for people, and they celebrated uh, her life that way. And then, of course, Peter brought her back to life, so it was a big celebration later. We, we're glad you've been with us today, and uh, we're going to be back next week trying to answer some more of your questions. If you haven't signed up for that correspondence course yet, 
today would be a good day to do that. So give us a call or log on, and we'll get that started for you. Other than that, we're going to come back next week and try to answer another bunch of questions. Hope you're back with us then. Till then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.